If I could have Philippians up, Paul, that would be great. As Jackie said this morning, we're nearly at the end of Philippians. We've slowed right down. I've got a whole verse. Hey. And I was taught you weren't allowed to start a sentence with and. Oh, except if it's in the Bible. That was what I was taught, actually. You can't start a sentence with and except unless it's in the Bible. And of course, the Bible in Greek hasn't got full stops and capital letters and all that sort of stuff. So the first thing the translators had to do was work out where the sentences were. So I'm sure in Greek, this isn't the beginning of a sentence. But anyway, never mind, eh? And the problem with starting with a sentence with and is it obviously then links with everything that's gone before it, isn't it? Rejoice in the Lord. I say always rejoice. Do not be afraid, but offer everything to the Lord with fear and trembling. All those things that we've been looking at the last few weeks. To remember and connects to what's gone before, especially to the rejoice thing. Have you noticed in Philippians that rejoice thing comes again and then again? So it comes, it comes once and then there's a bit of a gap and then there's a bit of a smaller gap and then there's an even smaller gap and then right at the end here there's only a verse between the, the time he repeats himself and even the last time he says it, he says, and again I say, rejoice. So if you want one word to sum up Philippians really, it is Rejoice. And of course, we all want to go, oh, rejoice in the Lord's presence, rejoice. But it's rejoice. He's saying to the church in Philippi, rejoice. And actually, they're, they're not having a fun time. This is one of the, potentially one of the later letters. But, you know, the Jewish community around them are kicking off. The, the Roman community in the place in Philippi where they are. I know Philippi's in Greece, but there was a Roman community around them. The, they weren't people's favourite people. Sound familiar? No, we've gone out now of Christendom. We're not in a situation where you know, we don't live in a Christian country. At best, it's a multi-faith set up and when it's not being multi-faith it's being secularist and this stuff this stuff whatever they mean by that this stuff should not be taught in school should not be on mainstream media should not be we're to be marginalised but I'm quite excited by that I don't like it but I'm quite excited by it because the last time the church was this marginalised was in the first century and look at the way the church grew at that point. Because now we've had a thousand years of being a Christian is normal. So you can look like a Christian and sit in church and say all the right things and not know Jesus. Because everybody looks and sounds the same because it's Christendom. 
And that's not just in the UK, that's across Europe. Now, if we're Christians, it costs. Now, if we're Christians, people think we're stupid. Now, if we're Christians, people think we're weird. I'll, do you know what? I'll own the weird badge. I'm quite happy with that one, be a fool for Christ. But I'm not stupid. Because I have a reasonable faith. I have a faith that's based on reason, not just experience. It shouldn't be based on reason alone. If it's based on reason alone, then it's not a relationship. I'm assuming your marriage isn't just based on a whole set of propositional truths. Do you know why I'm, do you know why I'm assuming that? Because there are two children. I'm assuming that there's something going on that means there's a relationship happening here. <laughs> I've made you both blush yet? Yes. Yeah, good. <laughs> I won't go there. <laughs> You've got kids as well, haven't you? And grandchildren. <laughs> Great-grandchildren yet? Yeah? Relationship. Now, but it's still reasonable. It's my logical faith. But it's still reasonable. And when we're in a situation where, okay, you and I might not be persecuted, but we're mocked. We might not be in a position where we can't get jobs, which happens in some places. When I say we can't get jobs, I mean because of our faith, not for other reasons. Uh, but, but we're still considered unusual. And of course, we're considered even more unusual because when... The non-Christians do come to us, they look at what we do and go, well, that's not church anyway, is it? Because it's not church the way they want it. <laughs> I, they, they can never understand either that I say, well, it's not church the way we want it either. It's the church the way he wants it. That's what we're trying to do. Church would be a lot easier for me if it wasn't like the way we do it. You do know that, don't you? It would be a lot easier. If I was nice and liberal and just turned up on a Sunday and went and drank tea with people, and that's all I did, it's a lot easier, isn't it? But what's the point? So we're in, a circ we're in circumstances, not dissimilar to the Philippians, we're in circumstances that are not easy. It's really not easy. And something has changed post-COVID. It's harder now. I wonder, has it changed post-COVID or has the COVID lockdown thing just rolled back the bits that were hiding the stuff that was difficult anyway? It's just revealed what actually is underneath. I think I shared with you a while back a, a survey done amongst church leaders in America. What's the number one hardest thing they do in ministry? Number one, lead a church out of COVID. Because people are angry, tired, disappointed, disillusioned. And culture says, it's your fault. There's an inherent thing in us to blame. And you're sitting there going, no, well, we don't. Good, thank you. Well done. Tick. <laughs> but actually, think of the world around. Just look at the press. Just look at the news. We've got to blame Got to blame. Oh, shall I get to the passage? Will that help? I'll set the context. And the peace of God. The peace of God. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. 
And you've heard me pray at the end of a service when I've done the blessing. How many times? Jesus has come that we might have peace with the Father. Peace with one another. And peace within us. May the peace of God, the, the peace of God, the source of this peace is very simple. Why has God, why has Jesus made peace with the Father with us, for us? Why? Why? Well, the answer is not Jesus. <laughs> why has Jesus done what he's done? That's why the answer is not Jesus, because he's done what he's done. <laughs> Who loves us? For who so loved the world? Come on, John 3.16. I was talking about the levels of Bible, biblical literacy in the church. <laughs> I'm worrying. <laughs> For God so loves the world. Who does that mean? What would we call God? Father. Heavenly Father. Peace is for us because the Father loves us. And he wants us to know that peace. I'm going to unpick quite what the word peace means in a moment. But that's the first thing. We can have peace because the Father loves us. And because he loves us, he sent his only son. We have peace because Jesus died on the cross for us. What had disrupted the peace? What had got in the way of our peace with God? What had got in the way with our peace between each other? What had got in the way of the peace that we could have for ourselves, our well-being? Little three-letter word. With I in the middle. That's the problem with sin. I is always in the middle. There's the selfishness of sin. We had a discussion on Thursday. Somebody said, oh, I, I keep telling somebody else they don't sin. And I think I shocked them a little bit because I said, I said to everybody in the room, I said, look, the, nobody in this room is going to go from here and commit murder. I hope. Or adultery. Given the age of most of them, I'm quite glad about that. <laughs> but then I said, didn't I, Fred? You were there. How many of you will have a selfish thought today? And of course, everybody went. And that's sin. Sin is putting eye in the middle. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him might have eternal life. What Jesus has done for us on the cross has dealt with our sin. Hasn't removed sin from us, but it's taken away the penalty of sin. It's taken away the pollution. Come on, you've seen Alpha. <laughs> that's the, that's the um, Nicky Gumbel talk. It's taken away the impact of sin. Now, it should be that sin goes completely. The potential is that we don't sin. David, I don't know you, but the problem is I keep screwing up. Yeah? 
we keep still sinning. But the amazing thing is, because the pollution and the power and the presence of sin have gone, it means I can be forgiven again. So it's not just that the Father loves us, but that Jesus died for us. Jesus died on the cross. And remember I've said how many times that the, the heavenly realms, the spiritual realms run on blood? This is why um, Satanists and all the rest of it make blood sacrifices. Well, God has made a blood sacrifice. The Old Testament was full of blood sacrifices to make atonement. That's why you killed the, the, the sheep and the lambs. But God has brought the Lamb of God, the spotless one, the human being without sin, to be our sacrifice. He is the propitiation for our sin. Not to sort out God's anger, but to sort out the spiritual reality. It's a sacrifice. Why can we have peace? Because Jesus died on the cross. Dealt with the thing that got in the way. Oh, and he rose from the dead, just in case you're missing that bit as well. And rising from the dead essentially was going you see that thing I did on the cross it worked it was the evidence that what he'd done on the cross because not only could sin not hold him but death could not hold him and death only existed in the world because of sin because you and I are designed to be Adam and Eve were designed to be eternal. We blew that one. But Jesus is the first fruit of the resurrection because he's on the cross, he's dealt with the problem, and then he's shown that the solution has worked. And now he is eternal. Oh, and everyone who dies in Christ, everyone who believes in him, including the Old Testament saints that believed in him without the full revelation, are eternal. That's why the offer is eternal life. Oh, there's a new thing. Christians came up with this new thing, eternal life. No, Jesus restored the original plan of eternal life. Well, Christianity is just a newfangled form of Judaism. No, it's the fulfilling of the Old Testament. Thank God I don't have to sacrifice a sheep at the front of church every week to make atonement for sin. Every time we do confession, I don't have to pour blood all over the front here. Or all over you. Jesus has done it once and for all. So Jesus, having died on the cross and risen... This is a gospel sermon, this one, isn't it? Very simply. This belies the... Rumour that St. Leonard's has stopped preaching the gospel. Well, I mean, I'm, preaching, I'm preaching the scriptures, which must mean we preach the gospel, doesn't it? I think it must happen, because it's there. Jesus rose from the dead, ascended into heaven. Come on, let's do the rest of the creed, shall we? Ascended into heaven, and from there, what does he do? Sits on the right hand of the Father. I knew that was coming. Right, back a step. He gets to heaven... And 40 days after the resurrection, what does he do? Sends his, spirit. Sends his spirit. 
the crucifix, well, if you want, the incarnation, the crucifix, and the resurrection, the ascension, and Pentecost are actually all one act. There's a time lapse in between all of them, but in fact, they're all one act. They're all, you know, without the incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection couldn't happen. Without the resurrection, the crucifixion, the incarnation is pointless. And the crucifixion, the resurrection happen so there can be an ascension and therefore Pentecost. And the whole point of it is, he's died. What's, he, what, what's the impact on us? What has he made us? Or the hang on, hang on. This one's not straightforward, is it? You're right. He he's died to deal with sin. He's died to make bad people good. Yes, but what's he actually died to do? Give us come on, new life. What sort of life? Pardon? Eternal or resurrection life or supernatural life before we're Christians we have the capacity to live supernaturally when we become Christians that bit's switched on that's another way of describing being born again the spiritual stuff that's in us is engaged energized switched on the Holy Spirit is born again into our spirit and we're to live and part of the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling in you not next to you or with you this is why some of the songs we sing and Johnny we've got to keep where's he gone he's sitting on the step this, this hand has just appeared above Henny's head they look quite yes there you go Yes, we've got to keep singing these songs. But these songs about you know, even the old hymns when we walk with the Lord. Well, actually, when we walk in the Lord, when the Lord walks in us. But I get it. When we walk with the Lord, is tr trying to get us to. You know, no, I get it. We we've got to sing those things. But don't please, 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 please build your theology on Scripture, not on hymns and songs. Because the sad thing is, most of us build our theology on what we sing. So actually, those of us writing songs. Johnny's brilliant. When Johnny writes a new song, he sends it, to, it, seriously, he sends it to me to check the theology. Because we want, we want to be proclaiming the truth, not nearly the truth. So, the Holy Spirit's presence. Where do we get the peace from? Because the Father loves us. Where do we get the peace from? It's because Jesus has died and risen again. Where do we get the peace from? It's because the Holy Spirit is present in us. It's about his presence. How Trinitarian do you want us to be? Well, an old-fashioned phrase. Guys, I don't know if you, James, I don't know if you've heard of this. The Father thought it, the Son has bought it, and the Holy Spirit wrought it. That's a bit twisted. That wrought it means made it happen. The Father's idea, the Son put it, made it possible. The Holy Spirit makes it happen in you now. That's the gospel. And we're not a highly holy huddle hanging on for heaven. We're not people who've been taken out of the world and therefore we huddle up together and don't worry about it. We are now supernatural people here to see the kingdom come on earth as in heaven. To live the life that Jesus lived. John 14, 12. If you have faith in him, you will... Come, those at home group. Do the things that he has done. 
Oh, second half of the verse? And even greater things than those. Okay, Lord, hold up a minute. Let's sort the first half out first. We'll come to the second half later, shall we? Oh, actually, why? What happens if he does want you to walk on water? I'd love to be there when you try. <laughs> Not because I'm going to laugh, because I'll, I want to be there when you try. Why would he ask? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying he is, but we're here to live that life. That transformed life. I wonder what we know to say. <laughs> Let's wander back. To the source of the Spirit. Can I have John 28 up, oh, please? To, sorry, John 20. That scared you, didn't it, briefly? On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, when the, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, see, there's fear around. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. He showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they, when they saw the Lord. And again Jesus said, Peace be with you. Why does Jesus repeat it? Because they didn't hear it the first time. Or they, it didn't sink in the first time. <clears throat> Why do I keep repeating? Anyway, moving on. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he went up to the, I got, can only do it to my wife. He went up to them and went, actually, he probably went, and breathed on, breathed into What's that reminiscent of? Genesis? When the Lord breathed into them? Sorry? He gave them life. And it, but these guys are alive. But Jesus has given them life. This is John's Pentecost. Do you know that? Basically, this is John's story of Pentecost, post-resurrection. Because John didn't write another book. At least Luke, Luke could put it in a second volume, you know. John didn't have that option. Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they're not forgiven. We haven't got time to unpack that last bit. But he breathes on them. The peace comes. Come on, Neil. The peace comes from intimacy with the Lord. When it's someone you love and you're that close to them, it's peaceful, isn't it? When it's someone you don't know that well, it's flipping awkward. <laughs> Sorry. But there's a peace. There's a rest. Some of us are wired that way that when we're under pressure, when we're feeling stressed, when we've got all that stuff going on, what do we need? We need someone to come along and tell us how to fix it. Is that right? What do we need? We just need a hug. We just need to be held. We just need someone to go, it's okay. Here's a beer. <laughs> or a glass of sherry, or whatever it is. Because probably we know how to fix it. We know what we're doing wrong. So being told how to fix it, and to pull your trousers, you know, pull your socks up and... 
Thanks. Do you know what that does? Adds to the stress. I know I'm weird because normally it's male, female, and I'm actually more on the female side of that equation. But that's what it's about. Receive the Holy Spirit. Be that intimate with the Lord. That's how we get that peace. But what does this word peace mean? This peace, which passes all understanding, can we go back to the, to the previous, to the Philippians passage? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. It, it goes beyond our rational ability to think. This peace that comes from God is an experience. That doesn't mean there aren't rational bits to it. It transcends. It doesn't say it demolishes all understanding. It doesn't say it leaves behind all understanding. Because it is still reasonable and logical, but it's an experience. And where do we find that peace? In his presence. How do we do his presence? Do you know what? You don't have to get into his presence. Ready? Where is God? So do we have to get into his presence? What we have to do is stop, slow down, and recognize his presence with us. And then what will change is his presence will be manifest. And when his manifest presence is here, what happens? We, we are walking in peace but we've got to stop it's one of the most peaceful places I've found when I was teaching all this sort of stuff is when I just disappeared to the loo for five minutes you can't meet God sitting on the toilet yeah you can because he doesn't care just acknowledge him in the midst, and in the midst of the rush. Meet God on the train. Put the worship songs on, meeting in the middle of the M25. Do you know what, you'll stop shouting at the other drivers then. Well, maybe. <laughs> but it's, it's practicing the presence of God. Not my phrase, Brother Andrew. I think, great book if you see it. Try and get the English version with the word practicing spelled properly on the front. That's hopefully. Um, it's got a mess. Let's see. It's a verb. But the, the presence you will feel will transcend all understanding. That's why, in the midst of the most difficult problems, in the midst of the most exact, exacting mental issues, in the midst of all the emotional turmoil, we can still have peace. Give thanks in all circumstances. Rejoice again, I say rejoice. Have his peace. Peace, of course, doesn't just mean the absence of problems. The word shalom in um, Hebrew means wholeness. It means peace. Peace be with you. When we say peace be with you and you say and also with you, yes. It doesn't mean I hope everything goes easy. Peace be with you means I hope you're whole. I hope all goes well with you. 
might still be difficult, <laughs> might still be a problem, but may it go well with you. It's not the absence of sickness, it's the restoration of health. It's not the absence of war. Peace is not the absence of war. Peace is the restoration of life. Ask the guys on the continent. We, you know, we didn't have that because I know we had the, the, the bombs and all the rest of it, but we didn't have enemy tanks and then liberating tanks going across our land. They didn't really, they experienced the war stopping and then they experienced proper peace when all the military people from everywhere went away. And it started to, their land started. Ask someone who lived in Holland or Belgium or France during that time. That's peace, the restoration. And it's linked to that word sozo in Greek, which we translate as salvation, but actually means restoration and wholeness. It's the whole lot. I want to see people saved, but I, want to, I don't just want to see them saved. I spent too many years in my early ministry getting people saved, not bothering to disciple them, and watch them disappear. If they're saved, they will be restored, and if they're restored, guess what? They will be disciples. Oh, we've got to dumb everything down for everybody. Don't do worship because that'll put... No. Non-Christians respond to the presence of God. So you guys, worship. And that will be a witness. Yes, they might think we're weird, tough. But they'll see a reality. So how do we do this peace? This peace which passes all understanding. It will guard your hearts and your minds. Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. So where does the Holy Spirit dwell? In your heart, it is the wellspring of life. From there, everything good comes. Therefore, guard your heart. How do you guard your heart? With the peace of God. Weird, it all connects up, doesn't it? You'd think, you know, you'd think there was one author behind all these books. Oh, there is. It's the Holy Spirit. How do we do it? We fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. How do we do it? We fill our mind with biblical truth. Guys, I'm really sorry. If I could find a way of getting the contents of the Bible into your minds without you having to read it, I promise you I would do it. If there was an injection or something, I would do it. But what you need to do is read this. We were talking the other day as a leadership, how do we improve our biblical literacy? What can we do? Do we teach this? Do we do that? Do you know what the bottom line is? Read it. Please read it. I know you might not understand all of it, but that's what home groups are for. That's what Bible study notes are for. That's what I'm here for. But you've got to read it. You know, I'll tell you what. I'll go home and have a huge banquet this afternoon and you lot don't need to eat. Okay? So no lunch when you get home. And I'll eat everything for everybody. You wouldn't. That's stupid, isn't it? So why do you not eat spiritually? Every day. Twice a day, three times a day. I'm lucky in my house, five times a day to eat, I mean. <laughs> That's when you're not here, it's fine. Um, do you see what I'm trying to say? 
we fix our eyes on Jesus, we fill our minds with biblical truth. I'm coming in. We saturate our thoughts with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, Laurie, how do we do it? Well, I've told you one thing. Read the scriptures. Then, how do we actually saturate ourselves with the presence of God? Well, one, we can't because we already are. So how do we get to that point where we're experiencing what we already are? Johnny knows the answer. We worship. And we worship. And when we worship together, it's even more exciting. But we worship. doesn't mean we will sing out loud all the time. Sometimes we'll just sit and let it wash over us. Other times we'll be going for it like there's no tomorrow. A song that used to be a song that you hated will become a song you love. And a song you loved will become nothing. The songs themselves don't matter. What matters is engaging with the Lord. Worship and praying and meditating. Well, what's the difference between worship and praying and meditating? Yes. Because worship should go into prayer, should come back into worship, should then be meditate. It's called a relationship. A relationship doesn't just have one form of communication. They all sort of mould into one, if you remember to keep communicating. We worship. How do we get this peace? Jesus has given it to us. How do we experience this peace? We set our hearts and minds on Jesus. And we don't feel peaceful. God hasn't withdrawn his peace. We've lost it. Now, we haven't because he's still here. But we've lost the experience of it. It's us that moves, not him. All of us in a place where there isn't peace. All of us got situations where we'd like a bit more peace. Even if it's just in the classroom. You know, wherever. Then just meditate on the Lord. If you, if you want to, Lord, show me. Show me how it might be more peaceful. Or maybe not. Maybe it's just being peaceful right now. Come Holy Spirit.